following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. The word for us, the living word this morning, from Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 16. I should put my glasses on, I guess. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, and in all, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here ends the reading. So last week, as we started our series on following Jesus, talked about what it means to be called to follow and how the term follow is it's a graphic picture. Uh, normally, when you follow someone, you they go ahead and you go out after them in the same direction. But when it talks about following Jesus, while the, many of the disciples actually literally followed him wherever he went, it's a way of speaking about imitating him, living as he lived, so learning from him, uh, sharing his goals, living by his motives, accomplishing his purposes. Sort of like a, a Jesus says, uh, a more serious game than Simon says. And as we, as we go on over the next few weeks, we're going to look more at what it means to learn to live and, and be like Jesus. This morning we're looking at another similar figure of speech, a metaphor of walking with God. Jesus calls us to follow him. And in following him, we walk with him. Genesis 5.24 speaks about this mysterious person named Enoch 
And we read, Enoch walked with God. And then Noah walked with God, we read in Genesis 6-9. Then in Genesis 17-1, we read, when Abram, whose name is later changed to Abraham, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I'm God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. He wasn't talking simply about taking a stroll, but living a life in keeping with God's ways. We see this reflected in, in Romans 4, 11 to 13 in the New Testament, where Paul writes, He, that is Abraham, received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The promise was made was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that the righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Paul was spending much time in, in, in Romans to show that there's a way of living, a way of trusting in God and, and a life reflected of trusting in God, which is really how we live in right relationship with him. Paul also writes in Colossians 2, verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. 1 John 2, 6, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And one of, if I could call it one of my favorite verses back in the Old Testament, again, Micah 6, 8, he has told you, O oh man, what is good. And you know man in the scripture, in context of this, means men and women. It's human beings. He's told you, O oh human beings. It just doesn't sound so poetic. What is good and what is good. Let's read it again. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? And so as I've already said, to walk with God is to live your life in a particular direction, so to speak. It's a way of living. It's a way to describe a person whose life is rightly attuned with God. This concept of walking with God is rooted in the Hebrew word halach. Halach. It means to walk. And it could mean taking a stroll or in this sense that we're talking about this morning, a lifestyle. Interestingly, in rabbinic thought, halacha, from the word halach, is that way of life that's in keeping with God's word. It's something that's in Judaism that's taken very seriously. They talk about what is the halacha with regard to something. It's a how then shall we live in light of both the state of the world, but what does God's word say in how we're to live in the world that we're in? Using both the terms to follow and to walk, it does give this sense of movement. And I think that's very important as we contemplate what this means. And so we're going to look at what does it mean to walk with God. And I'm going to do that primarily by contrasting 
what walking with God is with what it is not. So first of all, to walk with God is not a state of being. There's, I've heard emphasis upon, oh, we're not human doers, we're human beings. And so you need to be before you can do. And there is some truth in that. But actually, human beings were not simply made to exist. We're not blobs or pulses. That's not what we are. And yet some people think that biblical spirituality is learning to be less busy, and I know there's a story of Mary and Martha, we're not going to look at that today, less busy and kind of learn to be with God. And people who are like that, they're the most spiritual. Actually, that's far more Buddhist than Christian, where in Buddhism you detach yourself from the things around in the world that affect you. Jesus was not detached. The term for compassion has to do with gut ache. He felt the pain of the anguish of human sin and suffering, and he cared deeply about it, and he got his hands dirty in order to rescue people from the effects of evil. Jesus was not, and he doesn't expect us to be that. Now, sometimes when we think of membership, membership of a church, we will think of that as a state of being. I'm a member of All Saints Lutheran. Some people don't consider themselves a member of a local church. They simply see themselves as a member of the universal church that I alluded to earlier, which is if you're a child of God, you are a member of the universal church, church all over the world, past, present, and future. But to be a member, that's not a state of being. I got my membership card. Some churches sell T-shirts And we brand ourselves by being associated with something. Interesting, those bracelets people used to wear, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Should be a reminder of how to live out, but I'll get distracted if I focus on that. Membership. We often think of membership as a state of being. But are you aware that the English word member is derived from members of our bodies? Renata read that in the scripture. We're members, that's a metaphor, members of Christ's body. That idea that we're all parts of him, just like members, arms, legs, and so on, of our bodies. And if a member of our body simply was in a state of being and not a state of doing, that's just about dead. A member, a member that just is, is as good as is not. A member that's not doing anything is dead and is not a member. Now, I could, I could easily go into one of those guilt-ridden sermons that some pastors do to try to get people to do things, and I hope I'm not one of those, because I don't believe in that. 
because there's only one head of this body, and that head is Jesus. And he is capable of directing his body to be doing according to what he wants. But are the members willing? But that's an issue between you and him, not between you and me or the other leaders in this church. What is God calling you to do? And as long as you have breath, you're still doing. Needn't pine after the days when you did more. A lot of people who did more were doing more in disobedience, out of guilt, or just out of a sense of of trying to feel better about themselves. Other people were very busy because God directed them to be. So I want to encourage each one, if we're talking about following Jesus, walking with God, are we listening to what he's saying and doing those things that he's calling us to do? John 15, 15, Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. He wants to have a dynamic relationship with us, guiding us in the things that he wants us to do. Second thing that walking with God is not, is it's not a formula. It's not based on cause and effect principles. Very often, God's word sadly is taught that way. As if God is a vending machine. Press the right buttons and you get out what you're expecting. It's very difficult to believe that and read the Bible and take it seriously because as we see the examples in Scripture, there is no formula. Instead, following God, walking with him requires attention, mutual communication, hearing him and responding to him. And how that works out for me is going to be different from how it works out for you and the next person. Certainly there are common things in morality and so on, but in terms of the specifics, there is no formula. And just because you're going to obey God doesn't mean that you could expect a particular outcome. I think I'm going to get back to that in a minute. So similarly to walking with God's not a formula, Saying this years ago, it started to surprise me as I began to notice that this was an issue among God's people. Walking with God is not a superstition. And of course, any biblically-minded person at all would never think that our faith was superstitious. You know, the world might, might accuse us of that. Um, but I've seen the tendency toward things like, oh, I didn't read my Bible, or this this bad thing happened, oh, it's because I didn't read my Bible this morning. You know, I, I've seen this. Um, there are people, which I'm so grateful, um, in case you don't know, my family and I, were Jewish. We're of the circumcision that was referred to in Romans 4. And the circumcision and the uncircumcised can come together in Jesus and be one hopefully happy family. I'm so grateful after most of 2,000 years of church history being infected by anti-Semitism that there are so many people today that have taken seriously what God said to Abraham, that he would bless those who bless Abraham's people, the Jewish people, and would curse those who curse them. 
but I've seen that taken to be superstitious. Oh, if I give money to Israel, if I wave an Israeli flag, if I attend certain meetings, if I love the Jewish people, whatever that is, then God's going to heap his blessings upon me. Again, there's the vending machine again. And, and the promise to Abraham is more about being in sync, in sync with God, learning to be concerned about what God is concerned about and whatever that is. And it's not just the people of Israel, which is a, a, a big concern to God. But how about the preborn and and the poor and the other things that God is interested in? Not everybody could do everything, but I but to give the impression and, and I wonder if there's some people that they give money well we know there is, because they've been taught if you give money to the Lord's service, he's gonna heap financial blessing on you. And that's getting to a superstitious, very formulaic approach to walking with God. It's not really walking with God. It's turning his word into a formula. Next one that walking with God is not is it's not available in tears. And I don't mean tears running down my cheeks, but I mean levels. And this is actually something that has infected the church from early years. You might look at it a little more closely. I'm not too sure. Uh, um, some of you know the... Um, Christian hero by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who stood against Nazism in Germany and eventually was executed. And he left some very important uh, books, one of them, The Cost of Discipleship. And and he explained in, in the book how early in Christian history through the monastic order where people uh, were beginning to become monks and nuns and this sort of thing, it developed this idea that there were different levels of spirituality. And the people in the monasteries, they were the real serious spiritual ones, and they spent all this time in prayer while every all the other people were kind of doing the second-level Christian service. And that's not in the Bible. There's only one level. It's called walking with God. Now, how it might look in your life well, guaranteed, it'll be different from other people. But there's no levels. There's no, this, this, this level of people, oh, they are really the godly ones. What kind of excuse is that to, to give us permission to disobey God? Again, it's, you know, it's not about we should all be like them. And we have these I've just mentioned, you know, some people think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer as a Christian hero. I actually don't like that term because, again, it creates this kind of level. Every one of us needs to live our lives in, in, in such a way that we're going to hear the words from Jesus himself at the end, well done, good and faithful servant. And if you're called to a life of 24-7 prayer, then that's what you're called to do, however you're going to manage that. Most people are not called to that. And some people are called to intense times of prayer and certain kinds of service over certain periods of time, but not all the time. But whatever God's calling you to do, there are no levels. Ephesians 4 was read to us. Ephesians 5 begins with, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, That's everyone, no exceptions. 
and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Not only are there no levels, the Christian life is not something to be compartmentalized. There's no such thing as a religious, spiritual part of life, and then there's the other parts of life. People talk about the Sunday-Monday split. That's not biblical. That's not godly. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. For some people, I guess that means um, you know, praying constantly. Paul talks about praying without ceasing, but some people think that the way to become, the way to, to make all parts of life holy and spiritual is you've got to put a kind of Jesus stamp on everything and say lots of praise the Lord's in our lives to kind of fill up the, the so-called secular gaps. This issue of not compartmentalizing our lives not only would be a talk to its own, but would be several. Because we've, we, the church, for hundreds of years, just like the tier issue, the levels, have been suffering from this. When I say that Jesus wants to be part of every part of your life, that doesn't mean that we put a little spiritual dust on everything. It's an approach to life that has Jesus at its center. Similar to that, like the tiers, the levels, and the compartments, walking with God is not about a life hierarchy. People like to talk, I've heard this many times, well, the right way to live is we put God at the top, and then through the decades they've people discuss well is next ministry and then family now it's more family than ministry so god's at the top and then and then and then come the other things i don't know where the world series goes but it's somewhere in there in this hierarchy of life that's not biblical there are no levels there are no compartments and there's no hierarchy from a biblical point of view, God is at the core of everything. And then from there, life is lived out. God is at the heart. God is at the center of all things. He's like more like the hub of the wheel than the top of it, some chain, hierarchical chain. I have a book that I'd like to write, but I don't have the title for it. I only have the subtitle. And it relates to all of this. The subtitle is From the Bedroom to the Boardroom. God belongs in every aspect of life, yet we have a hard time with that. Speaking about the fact that there's no hierarchy, while walking with God is to be an intimate relationship with Him, it's not an equal partnership let alone him being subservient to us. Oh, but doesn't the Bible say that Jesus became a servant? Yes, but you need to understand that he's demonstrating of what it means to be Lord. And right from the beginning, God has initiated all of life and God takes care of us. He's our Father. Now, Father as a concept has become so distorted in our day. He's our loving 
creator. He's our originator, our sustainer and, and, and caretaker. But he is Lord and he is king. And, it, and it's, it's a marvel to think that the Lord and king wants to have an intimate relationship with us and walk with us while never forgetting he's in charge. He comes up with the plans and he calls us to account for how we do what he wants us to do. But he doesn't he doesn't expect us to do it alone. He wants to walk with us. And I mentioned earlier, walking with God doesn't guarantee outcome. Well, it does and it doesn't. In the way that it does, God has promised to be with us and to give us a quality of life called eternal life that begins now and will be with us for eternity. But along the way, we never know how things are going to work out. We are called to trust. He is committed to being with us all the way. Therefore, we must never live in fear. It's one of the things when I think of when I think of Martin Luther is how he was willing to take on the societal forces of his day. He didn't rush in to do it as if he was he, he was uh, thrilled to do such a thing. He stood for the truth and then he let everybody else react. Great pressure came upon him and he didn't give in. In the process, he suffered. He suffered emotionally. He suffered physically. He struggled with depression. I don't know if you know that. He struggled with digestive issues quite severely and yet remained true. And one of the things I had written down that I, that, and it relates to this, um, these tears. There are, as I said, there really are no heroes. They're only flesh and blood, fragile, weak human beings who hear the call of God, follow me, and, and walk with him, whatever it means, whatever it takes. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we are not alone and that we were not birthed into this world simply to fend for ourselves, to get it figured out, and to just make the, the best of it. You have called us to walk with you. You who've designed this vast universe. Anything that we discover, you've already designed. And you have called us into this grand mission to set the captives free, to bear good fruit in our lives, fruit of blessing to others, and to have the privilege of the delight, even when it's difficult, of being your sons and daughters. Lord, 
if in any way we're doing our own thing and going our own way, would you turn us back to you that we would walk closely with you, that we would know your presence and that you would do in and through our lives whatever you want to do at this time. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca. Thank you.